Our sermon title today is Ask, Seek, and Knock. We're living in turbulent times. Would you say amen to that? Amen. Don't say amen to that. <laughs> it's times of uncertainty. It's times that we as a people can't resolve the situations by ourselves. We seem in a sense hopeless and we seem to be driven by the current events that we're facing. Um, in many people, they feel abandoned. They feel defeated. They feel that darkness seems to be winning. But family, that's far from the truth and it's not scriptural. Because the word of the Lord says that when darkness increases, grace superabounds. That means grace is always far more powerful than that which we face in the world. And family, we serve a Lord that intervenes. We serve a God that is a healer, a deliverer, a provider. We serve a supernatural Lord. And I believe at this time, instead of us as a family, as we continue to pray against the things that are having, happening in our lives, is not to be overcome with the sense that we're defeated, that God is not able to hear us and respond, but that we would even pick up more the challenge to fight that that would try to combat the faith. I don't know about you, but the first time the word COVID came out and they started saying the word pandemic, I've been praying against this ever since. And I've been rebuking it, standing against it. Lord, eradicate it, break its power, heal those who are sick, prevent people from dying. And then the news media or whatever comes on, the propaganda comes on and says, bad, bad, bad. But you know, the fact is, I know our God hears us. He is a God that hears our cry. And he is calling us to be a people that are not overcome by that which we see, that which we experience naturally. But he wants us to focus our attention on that which is supernatural on himself. So we as a church, we believe in the power of prayer. Can you say amen? amen. We are a people of intercession. Can you say amen? amen? And we are a people that have entered in together to a 21-day period of prayer and fasting. And as we enter into that time of prayer and fasting, what we're doing is we're stepping in with prayer and fasting to break the bonds of wickedness and to set the oppressed free and to release the favor of the Lord. And this is not just a good thing we are doing, but as we combine our hearts together, it is a powerful thing that we're doing to break down the bonds of wickedness. And as we enter into this in faith, in obedience to what the Spirit of the Lord is telling us, family, we're going to stand and see the salvation of our God. Do you believe that? Okay, I just worried a little bit out there. The word continually talks to us about the effectiveness of prayer. But in reality, prayer changes impossible situations and brings people to Jesus and Jesus to people. We are the covering for our community, for our nation, for the world around us, that as we stand together, unified in intercessory prayer, calling on the name of the Lord, that our Lord does hear and our Lord does respond to that which we're asking and what we're saying. And I think in the midst of this, what I'm saying, there is a time that the 
enemy would try to put doubt in our heart that as we pray once, twice, three times, and we don't see the immediate answer, our hearts begin to be overwhelmed by that which we're facing. But the truth of the word is our God is miraculous to the pulling down of strongholds, and he's calling us to be a people that stand to see the salvation and the deliverance of our God. And in that, Pastor Ben believes that the Spirit of God is calling us afresh to be a people, to be a house, to be a church of prayer. Not a church that has a prayer ministry in it, but a people that press into the presence of God, call on the name of God, and truly believe that if we press in, that God hears us. We have King David as an example. King David for most of his life, ran for his life. How would you like to be King David? But he had been the king, and then his son Absalom rose up, and he had to again flee for his life. And as he's fleeing and running for his life, what does he do? He doesn't trust in his own armament. He doesn't trust in his ability or the people around him, but he puts his trust in the Lord. Psalm chapter 3 verse 4 says, I was crying to the Lord with my voice and he answered me from his holy mountain. You see, as he called on the name of the Lord, God is one that saves, God is one that delivers, God is one that restores. And we see the spirit of the Lord restore the kingdom to David. And so as we come today, we believe that the Lord is speaking to us through the scriptures, and asking us to remember the power of prayer and asking us to be a people corporately, but also individually to press into that which is prayer. It's not hopeless, but it is filled with hope. It is filled with victory. Will you turn with me now to our scripture? Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 through 11. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. And the scripture says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it shall be opened to him. Or what man is there among you that when his son asks for a loaf, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, he will not give him a snake, will he? If you, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father, who is in heaven, give what is good to those who seek him? Amen. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. As we look at this scripture, the section of scripture almost seems to be a random insertion. It really doesn't seem at the initial reading of it that it really even fits into what Jesus has been talking. You see, from Matthew chapter 5 through Matthew chapter 7 is what we call the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus is being, blessed are the poor in spirit, and he's just going on in his teaching. But indeed, this is not a random insertion. Jesus has told his disciples the challenges and the requirements of kingdom living. Now, for us today, there's no challenges, right? It's like pie in the sky, serving Jesus, no problems at all, right? Wrong. So this applies to our life. 
You see, he had ministered to them and said that there would be persecutions for following him. He said that they were to live holy. They were to be distinct and be different. They were not to live in the way that the world would live. They were to forgive their enemies. I think I heard that this morning and pray for those who persecute them. They were to be a people of prayer. They were not to seek out for the things and the material possessions of the world, but they were to trust God for their provision. And so all of these things that Jesus has spoken to them, I don't know about you, but when I read this section of scripture, I'm overwhelmed by all that is said. And I'm sure that the disciples were overwhelmed as well. And so as Jesus is presenting them to this, he inserts in this position and now encourages them to be men of prayer. All that he has asked is not that that they can naturally do by themselves, but as they turn to the Lord in faith and prayer, that God will do these things in them and through them and for them. And people, the word says to you and I that it is Christ in us that's the hope of glory. It's by the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit that we do all of that that Jesus has given us to do. He commands them to do three things, to ask, to seek, to knock. Now, these are not one-time suggestions, but they literally, in the Greek, it's an imperative, which means it's a command. It's a present tense, which means it's a continual command. Do this throughout your life and your service with me. The first thing he says is to ask. It is a general form of prayer, but it is an earnest plea, it is a bold asking with urgency. It is faith-filled, and it is, has an urgent request that's put onto it. He goes on to say that they're to seek. To seek is an intense, diligent pursuit for God's immediate intervention. Seeking is not trying to find God. It's not trying to find an answer or a solution to the problem. But seeking is running to God and saying, Lord, open up now. We need you now. It has the sense of urgency of asking, but it also has the sense if I can just speak to the Lord face to face, surely I will have that which I'm asking for. And then he also tells them to knock. And the image is not somebody lightly knocking on your door to see if you're home. But it literally means it's a pounding on the door that you're going to continue to pound on that door until it's opened. It's much like when I was in the service, I was not a really good little kid. And uh, we had an officer that would always follow us around and try to catch us not doing something right. And so one day he went down into one of the pump rooms to see if he could catch us goofing off. <laughs> we were in the other room. We shut the door and we locked the door on him and we went away. And before we went away, there was a little telephone down there. Well, we took the headset to the telephone so he couldn't call anybody. And so about a half an hour later, somebody walks by and they hear this pounding and screaming, let me out, let me out. They let him out. He never did figure what happened to him. Sad to say we didn't feel any conviction. That was bad. 
But the illustration of knocking here is what we want you to see, is the fact that it is a bold, noise-making, pounding until we receive the open thing that we're looking for. And it is a continual action. Now, I want you to notice that all three of these things are to done, be done simultaneously and continually. We never stop asking. We never stop seeking. We never stop knocking. We continue to do this throughout our life. The promise of asking and seeking and knocking. Those who ask, Jesus says, receive. Say receive. receive. Do you believe that? Ask, we receive. That is a divine promise. He goes on to say, those who seek, find. Say, find. find. And then he goes, those who knock, it will be opened. Say, opened. Open. You see, as they continually pray, as they press into the presence of the Lord, Jesus says they will receive, they will find, and it will be opened for them. It is a divine promise of prayer. And I want you to notice something in this section of Scripture, that in this section of Scripture, there is no conditions that are present. Nothing is demanded. In many sections of prayer, it says, if, then God will do this. If you do this, then will God will do this. But in this, there is nothing. It just says, as you pray, that God will hear and God will answer. And family, that is something that the Spirit of the Lord needs to minister to our heart today. One, a boldness to continually press into the presence of the Lord by asking, by seeking, by knocking. But also there needs to be assurance in our heart that as we do what he commands us to do, that he will also answer us. Do you believe this? I know this is be true. He goes on in this section of scripture to talk about bread and fish. Okay, how's this supply? Bread and fish were basic staples of life. That's what the children of Israel basically ate. They had bread and they had fish. If you don't like vegetables, that's a really good thing right there, you know. The bread versus the stone. Both were smooth, and the stone actually could look like a loaf of bread, but it had no value in whatsoever. Then he talks about a fish versus a snake. And actually, the word for snake here is probably eel. And an eel was something that did not have, it was unclean. It had no scales in it. And it was something that would defile your relationship with the Lord. So it's saying, you know, do you give your child something that will not sustain them, that will not fulfill their hunger, or do you give them something that will defile you? You see, the argument with the bread and the fish, this was a well-known Jewish illustration about God answering prayer. It was used during the time that Jesus lived so the people would understand what Jesus was saying to them. This was an argument also from lesser to greater. By that, what we mean, if the lesser is true, then the greater principle is also true. And then with that, we also wanna notice one other thing. There's a double emphasis. 
He didn't just use the story of the bread and the stone, but he also used the illustration of the fish and the snake. And by using both of those, there was an emphasis that that which is being true is doubly true to those that would receive this. So what he's saying in the argument with the bread and the fish, he's saying, if a human father will answer his child's request, how much more will a loving God answer your prayer requests? May the Spirit of the Lord write that into our heart, family. Our God is a God that answers prayer. He longs for it. What is prayer? Prayer is communication with our Heavenly Father. Prayer in this sense is the communication of need by asking, by seeking, by knocking. God, we must have your intervention now. But prayer is also relationship. And by relationship, it is that which we not only speak, but we sit, we listen, we experience his presence. That's the aspect of prayer that God is calling all of his people to. The principle that's being taught in this section of Scripture, the focus is not on persistence in prayer, which I can say comma is very much needed. But it is focused on the assurance of answered prayer. It's a command that God's people, that they as disciples, need to continually pray. Who's a disciple of the Lord here? Here we are, right? All of us are disciples, and so all of us need to have a continual prayer life. There are three elements of prayer. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18 says, With all prayer, with all petition, pray at all times in the Spirit with this in view. Be on the alert in perseverance and Petition for all the saints. <clears throat> it says pray at all times in the spirit. I believe there's two emphases in that. Use your spiritual language. And I don't know about you, there's times that I'm facing situations. I remember some hospital visits. I remember some auto accidents and different things that's happened in my life. I remember some mission trips that I'm on that is like, oh, Jesus and there is no words in my heart or my mind to be able to speak. But as I begin to pray in the Spirit, God begins to move. Not only in my ability to pray in my lone language, but also in the situation that I'm in. But also, that's not the only meaning here. When it says pray in the Spirit, it means pray by the anointing of the Holy Spirit. That it is not simple human effort. It is not just the intellect of man. But there is an anointing and a power that comes through us by the Holy Spirit to intercede through us to our Heavenly Father. And I pray that you know what I'm talking about. Scott, when Scott starts up cold and starts to pray, it's not a very good thing. When I was a young man, I had this big, ugly car. It's called a Dodge. <laughs> and this Dodge was the most cold-blooded thing that you would ever see in your life. You would try to start that thing and start that thing and kick that thing, and finally the thing would start. 
You'd put that thing in gear and it would stop. It literally took that car a half an hour to be warm to go anywhere at all. And before that, it was useless. It would not move. I'm so glad there's deliverance in the Lord. That car got crushed in the car crusher. Thank you, Jesus. I find that in my prayer life, my prayer life can be like that. That it really is a hard start at times. That I'm coming to my Heavenly Father and I just want to talk to my Father. But it's difficult to get going. I don't have the words, the things to say. Even praying in the Spirit, it takes me a while. But I find that as I'm persistent and I push into that, that there is an anointing that comes. There is breakthrough. And I find that I'm praying way above who I am as a person. That's what we're talking about by praying in the Spirit, both with our spiritual language, but also in the sense by the anointing of the Holy Spirit. So one of the three elements of prayer, the first element is prayer is a lifestyle. He says, with all prayer and petitions, praying at all times. The element is that we are a people that never stop praying. The word says pray without ceasing. The second element of prayer is that prayer requires faith. The scripture says in Philippians chapter 4, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. And see, it says every prayer and supplication, but it goes on to say with thanksgiving. Family, what's thanksgiving? Thanksgiving, one, has an element in our hearts of remembering what Jesus has done for you. And people will say, Jesus hasn't done much. Well, let me tell you what he did for me. I was born. <coughs> Amen. And literally, my parents, the doctors handed me to my parents and said, he's going to die. Well, not yet. Maybe it was prophetic for later in life, but it didn't happen the way that they said. Awesome, here we are. Jesus saved me and forgave me of my sin. Jesus has delivered me from myself and from the situations in life, from many accidents and different things in my life. Thank you, Jesus, for your goodness. So one element of thanksgiving is remembering in the past what God has done for you, that he has always been with you, that he never leaves you, that he never forsakes you, that his mercies are new every morning. But then the second element of thanksgiving, that as you and I pray that God hears us, and thanksgiving is the release of our faith saying, Lord, I know that you have heard my prayer request. You see, I told you before, there's not a day that doesn't go by that this mouth doesn't wag and this tongue doesn't speak out against this thing called COVID. But I don't just say, oh God, help us and deliver us. Thank you, Lord, this thing is cursed. Thank you, Lord, that this thing is broken. Thank you, Lord, that people are healed. Thank you, Lord, that people are set free. You see, prayer not just doesn't need consistency, it doesn't need just to be a lifestyle, but there needs to be an element of faith that we know that if God hears us, that we have our request from him. Do you know that? Here's the challenge, and I think it is a challenge for all of us. 
to include thanksgiving with our prayers, believing that God will answer that which we have asked him to do. It's not just a mere fling of hope, but it is a solid reality that our God loves to answer prayer. Our scripture said that. The third element is prayer requires persistence. This is against the American way, by the way, but that's okay. The scripture says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17, pray without ceasing. And here it comes again. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God. And again, one of the things that as we're in this fast that I'm trying to establish afresh in my life is to practice the presence of God. And to practice the presence of God is that which is continual communication with my Lord and my Savior, talking to Him regularly. And as I do that, I know that God's going to hear me. So three elements of prayer that we're highlighting. Prayers at lifestyle, prayers requires faith, and prayer requires persistence. The scripture reveals the result of a life of prayer. Philippians chapter 4 verse 7 says, And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Here's the fallout from having a life of prayer. Having peace with God. And having peace in the midst of the storm that we call this world that we live in. I don't know about you, but I'm not overwhelmed. I don't understand it. I don't know how things are going to turn out, but I really don't care. Because Jesus is on his throne. And our mission is the kingdom of God and to see people drawn to him. And you see, there is something about having a deep life of prayer. There is an overflow of faith and hope and love. And the very presence of God is released in our life in a very tangible way. And family, in the time we live, we need that. And if we want that, we need to pray. I want to give you a couple biblical examples of prayer's effectiveness. First, I want to look at David. 1 Samuel 17. David was a person that prayed and honored God. He was a person that played the heart before God. But we find that David prayed and honored the Lord before he went to meet the giant Goliath. And as a result of his prayer life, his intimacy with the Lord, we find that David defeated the giant and the giant was slain. You see, the giant was a great obstacle. You and I have those obstacles in our life. It might not be a nine and a half foot tall human being. That's what he was. And not only was he that tall, but then he also had an armor bearer who was trained for war before him. And it took one rock through prayer with one sling to implant in his forehead and to kill the giant. And to bring a victory to the people of God where the Philistines were defeated. You see, David prayed and honored God and the Lord used him to tear down giants. As you and I are a people of prayer, the Lord will use us to tear down giants as well. The second illustration that I have is Elijah. We find him in 1 Kings 18. And Elijah prays for a great miracle. We have him with the false prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. And we find that they're trying to offer sacrifice to their God for over six hours. 
And then Elijah steps up, rolls his sleeves up, bows his knees and prays. And fire comes down from heaven and consumes the offering, uh, releases a miracle. You see, his prayer life released a miracle and it defeated the enemies that were destroying the faith of God's people. Also, we go on in that scripture to see that Elijah also prays. You see, he was the one that stopped the rain for three and a half years. Nobody really liked him. But Elijah also, at the direction of the Lord, prays. But he prays seven times. It doesn't just happen because he prayed once. But he pursued in prayer and continued in prayer until he saw a cloud as the size of a man's hand. And when he saw that, he knew he had his answer and thank God. But what happened, he prayed and it released rain and there was a flood and God was honored through that. So we see that Elijah was one that prayed for miracles and persisted in prayer until the miracle was received. But the third example is the apostles. And the apostles were ministering the name of Jesus. We have the lame man that was healed in Acts chapter 3. The testimony of the Lord went out. And then they continued to minister in the name of Jesus. And then they are brought before the rulers of the land. And the rulers of the man com land command them not to speak in the name of Jesus anymore. And they, of course, mouth off and say, we can't help but speak what we've heard and see. You know, get over it. We're going to continue on. But also within that, we find that they come back to the community of believers and they share, and then they pray. And as they pray, the word says that the place that we're at was shaken, and that they were emboldened to speak the word of God, and that they were filled with the Holy Spirit. You see, there's times that our lives, our families, our faith are threatened. And as we speak to the Lord and ask the Lord the Lord releases an emboldened power in our life, releases the presence of the Holy Spirit upon us, and we have great victory. The last example that I have for you is Paul and Silas. And Paul and Silas in Acts 16, they're ministering to people. They got people saved and following Jesus. And then there's this servant girl who is filled with the demonic spirit and following him and saying, these men are great men of God. Listen to what they say. Finally, Paul is enough is enough. The devil's not going to give Jesus glory. Turns around and casts the spirit out. And the word tells us that those people that owned the girls saw that they couldn't make any more money out of them. So they're ticked off. And so they have Paul and Silas beaten and thrown in jail in the innermost spot, put in stocks. But I want you to notice something. They don't sit there and get embittered and angry and God, why'd you forsake us? You know, God, we were doing your work. What do they do? They turn and they begin to worship the Lord. They begin to pray. And the word says that the prisoners were listening to them. But then the word says also there was an earthquake that happened that the chains and the bondages, the prison doors were opened up and they were set free. And as they were set free, there were several more people that were drawn to Jesus. 
You see, you and I may face oppression, we may face difficult situations, but instead of being overcome by evil, we overcome evil with good by the Spirit of God. We are a people that invite Jesus into every situation and honor Him in those situations. And as we honor Him in those situations, bondage are broken, chains are released, and people come to Jesus. And what are we being called to during this time of prayer and fasting is to see bondage is broken and people brought to Jesus. The thing that's going to change the world that we live in is not more laws, not more politics. The thing that's going to change the world that we live in is the King of Kings changing the heart of people. And we see that people, as they prayed in faith, in situations of difficulty, that it brought Jesus into the situation, changed lives, set the captives free, provided for the people, and glorified the Lord. So how can we apply this to our lives? The first thing, I just want to look at the modern concept of prayer. It's a sad fact, but the church really doesn't feel that prayer works. Prayer seems to be the last resort that we have we're looking for political solutions. We're looking with the natural mind, with our intelligence, trying to solve our problems. How well has it worked? It's not, right? We think that prayer is the work of little old ladies. Well, let me tell you, I'm glad for little old ladies. My twin brother got saved. There's one good twin, one bad twin. You'll figure that out eventually. But anyways, my twin brother got saved, and he went to his church. Pastor Steve Shell was an assistant pastor at that church. And he told these little old grandmas in this prayer group, he said, my twin brother's on a fast track to hell. True statement. And they said, don't worry about it. They got together. They focused the prayer gun my direction. They pulled the trigger. And three later, days later, this soul was in front of a Calvary chapel giving his life to Jesus. That's the power of prayer. And family, let me tell you, I'm very grateful for those little old ladies. Because I know if they hadn't prayed, that I wouldn't be here with you. You see, my salvation is an answer to prayer. But there's a deception that thinks that prayer doesn't work and prayer is just for those people that can't do anything else. And that's a lie that comes from the pit of hell. The second point of application is the fact that the Bible mandates that we pray. The scripture says, pray on behalf of all men. God wants us, instead of being embittered, instead of being political, he wants us to bring every situation before him. Because he is the God that heals. He is the God that delivers. He is the God that breaks bondage. He is the God that saves. He is the God that does the impossible when it cannot happen on its own. He is the one that stopped the sun from moving. You figure that one out and let me know how that worked. He is the God that caused the walls of Jericho to fall down. He is the God that caused the Red Sea to be parted. And it wasn't a little trickling stream either. They found some of the chariots 900 feet down. You explain that one. He is a miraculous living God. The statement here is I want men 
to lift up holy hands and pray. Brothers, let me just talk to you for a moment. We're men of action. We do things. But I believe the Spirit of the Lord is calling us as men to be men of prayer. And I really believe that as men take their position in the church and they take the anointing, that they are spiritual men, that they live for Jesus, that they serve Jesus, but also they are men that can bow their knees before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and say, I am a man of prayer and I believe that prayer works. We will lead our families, we will lead our churches, we will lead our cultures and to pray. And brothers, there's never a time before that we as men need to get off of it and start praying to the Lord. You see, it's when the people of God join together in community and individually and pray that miraculous things start to happen. God is not bound by the things of this world, but he is also waiting for us to ask and to seek and to knock. Our third application point about prayer, the truth about prayer. The effective prayer of a righteous man accomplishes much. Say much. May the truth of the word sink into our heart. The word says that one puts a thousand to flight. Two puts down thousand to flight. Count how many people in here do the math and let me know the number because I can't figure it out. But the reality is through individual and corporate prayer, the power and control of the enemy is broken and he has to bow his knees before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. The word says that we war not by the flesh, but we are mighty to the pulling down of the strongholds through God. You see, there's an anointing and power. And here's the bottom line. I think my last application point is that what I feel, what Pastor Ben feels, that Jesus is calling us to be. He's calling us to be a people of prayer. And he's calling us to be a church that prays. He's not calling us to have a prayer ministry in our church and to have people pray for us. But he's calling us each to have that personal relationship and that passion that as we follow him, that we are a people that talk to our God. We are a people that believe and trust in him, that we are a people that ask, that seek, that knock, that are persistent until we receive the request that we ask for God. And we are a people of faith that believe that if we offer prayer to our living God, that that he is a God that hears us and a God that answers us. All prayer is based in the aspect of faith, believing that God hears our requests, and as he hears our requests, he answers us. Daniel said that he had to wait 21 days for the answer of prayer, and the answer was not delayed because God didn't know what to do or didn't want to respond, but because there was demonic opposition to it. And it took 21 days for the breakthrough that, but the word says that the answer was given on the first day. And family, the hope of our nation, the hope of our individual families, the hope of our own life, the hope of the very world that we live in is contingent on the fact that you and I will trust the living God and that we will press into his presence and become a people, become individuals, and become a church that prays. The word says that we are to stand against sin, 
sickness, darkness, and all that would consume our communities, our family, our world around us. And I just feel like the Holy Spirit is really putting his finger on our heart today, as well as Pastor Ben said, this is the word of the Lord, that we ask, that we seek, that we knock, that we come convicted that prayer works, that we become diligent to talk to our God, and that we become a people that grow in our prayer life. The bottom line and the question for us is, I'm going to tell you, I'm in. And I pray, will we stand together, pray? We have prayer services, we have pre-services, prayers, we have after service, we pray. Will we become a people that are committed to prayer? Will we grow in our personal prayer life? And we grow together as a family as we pray together. Will you stand with me, please? I'm just curious. <clears throat> as I hear this challenge, the challenge is for me as well. And I say, yes, Lord. What do we say, family? Yes, yes Lord. Say it with me. Yes, Lord. Man, you with me. Yes, Lord. Here we are. Father, you have heard us. And we pray that today that you would call us to be a people of prayer. We pray that that which limits us, that which hinders us, that which tries to oppose us individually and corporately from being a people of prayer, Lord, that you would break those things off of us now. Lord, we pray that you would teach us to pray in the Spirit and by the Spirit, that you would empower us to be a people that pray and break strongholds and bondages. We thank you for your anointing. We thank you for your grace and your blessing. Lord, will you bless us as you go? Will you bind our hearts together? Will you draw us to yourself? We pray all of this in your name. And everyone said, Amen. Thanks for listening. If you'd like more information about Northwest Church, go to our website, nwcfoursquare.org, or download our app in any of the app stores by searching Northwest Foursquare Church. Mm -hmm.